0: just heard is dog of war by the hell yeah babies which means i'm nick bond
1: i'm david
0: do you want to do an intro for this episode too darren you want to say i'm darren
2: and um i'm Darren Jackson.
0: <laughs> we have Darren back this, uh, this episode for an essential viewing on The New Day. We had him back for how wrestling, how The New Day explains wrestling. So we wanted to have him discuss because, again, an old man who's been around forever. He's seen a lot of these matches all the way back to like 2009. Uh, so we wanted to have him talk about like the larger history of wrestling from a perspective of somebody who's much older. Right, Darren?
2: <sighs> Sorry, the gout just got to me. Um, Yeah, of course. Um, Whatever you need, Nick.
0: Thanks, you're a true friend. Uh, And we wanted to break down uh, the pre-New Day versions of each of the characters, then the post-New Day versions of the the New Day, the present New Day characters. Um, I wanted to start with what's a relatively obscure match. Um, It's Kofi Kingston uh, versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship on June 4th of 2010. And uh, I think what I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed, Dave, that what's interesting for me about Kofi, especially like relatively young Kofi, is that he's one of the guys that, is the first to expand and pretty much everybody does this now but he's one of the first guys to expand out of the like what they call the creator re- a create a wrestler move set. He's one of the first to have like his own animations when he wrestles. He doesn't just do the same thing everybody else does and that's a lot more common thing now but when he was first getting traction, that was like kind of a revelation. It's like he had moves that nobody else could do that weren't like necessarily mind-blowing athleticism, they were just new unique angles he took and stuff like that
1: oh yeah it's like the finish on this match not to jump right to the end the finish on this match is the SOS which like there's a flip powerbomb or a flip pile driver in like every match now pretty much and like it's just like a little like flip on the guy's side which I once saw William Regal make look very bad which uh, (laughs) I hate to say that William Regal ever made anything bad uh but I mean like yeah it's it doesn't look like much 10 years or so later you know what I mean but yeah he was definitely someone here who you could you could see him kind of pushing the limits in that way of doing like you mentioned like having your own moves in the video game and like the guy before him who i think of that way is Rob Van Dam where mm-hmm. it was like there was the monkey flip but then there was the Rob Van Dam monkey flip and there was the frog splash but there was the Rob Van Dam frog splash and there was the like regular thrust kick and there was the Rob Van Dam thrust kick like there were two animations kind of thing and i think that this time you really saw Kofi starting to to pick up that mantle there was like a really beautiful uh, a monkey flip spot in the match where uh, he he did the thing where he looks like he's going for an arm drag but like all of a sudden his knees are up on the guy's chest and he's doing a monkey flip like his feet went from the floor to tucked under his chin in like point zero zero two seconds like you you really can see him as i mean it's it's crazy to think that he's just kind of a regular guy who does kind of normal moves now. But by 10 years ago standards, it's like, wow, this guy is is being pretty innovative in this match.
0: How much – you watch a lot more, I think, independent wrestling than both of us. Dave watches independent wrestling. I watch almost none. Where do you see – do you think Kofi Kingston, Darren, could have done well on the indies in the way that we – grew up for lack of a better term watching in the when we were in college 2005 to 2009 and in that general area after it
2: so you're talking at this at that point in time it's czw roh iwa mid-south and basically nobody else i mean there's other promotions but they're not prestigious i would say. pwg is pwg at the time no like we're talking 0607. nah not really the West Coast was barren for a kind of long time. It was barren of notable promotions for a long time, up until PWG. Basically, like there's always been stuff out here, but nothing that the world or America at large cared about. So we're, I think we're still thinking like,
1: don't you disparage the good goddamn name of Rick
2: Bassman? Was that?
1: I said, don't you disparage the good goddamn name of Rick
2: Bassman? Know, we have EWF out here too. who have put a lot, like a lot of guys came out at EWF out here. Um, forget the guy's name, but he's trained almost every Southern California superstar that came out of this area. But um, so, so no, not PWG, but so we would be looking at Ring of Honor, um, even we'll call it FCW too. Let's say he came off the street to FCW. I say no, because at the time the indie style was still trying to be like strong stylish. I think we, were, we, had, we had got Flippy Spinny that was in everybody's blood already. And he wasn't Flippy Spinny enough to, to stand out amongst the Flippy Spinnies. And he also isn't as impactful as he needed to be to stand out among that stuff. Cause like low key was killing people. Samoa Joe was killing people. AJ Styles was killing himself to get killed by other people. That was the trend at the time. And one of the, my big criticisms for, for Kofi is that like, he never had a slam in his career. Like the SOS was the first thing he ever had that was close to a body slam. And even that's not really a slam move. So he didn't, he never had the offense that would get him over as an indie wrestler. I don't think. So he'd just be there to get beat up and, and, do Trouble in Paradise every now and then. So yeah, unless he had the character on the indies that he wasn't allowed to build in WWE, I don't know if Kofi makes it on the indies.
0: So he's a guy that you think could have only succeeded in the specific environment of, or not only, that may be an exaggeration, but was most likely to succeed in an environment like a WWE where his charm and athleticism and his like character work and his psychology and his charisma can all like, tell a story and it's not just his athleticism
2: yeah his gimmick his gimmick is what got him over because he wasn't really doing much else in the ring at the time anyway
1: i really agree with darren that, like yeah he he neither had like the flippy spinniness and it's funny that like by the standard of the time like when you compare him with the kind of like john Laurinaitis era people who would come in that like half decade before he seems like this like out of control high flyer but like when i was watching this match i like really was like man this dude wrestles like ricky morton or or whoever like name your 1980s like white meat baby face like seriously where it's like he has like fire when he is on offense and he is getting the shit kicked out of him when he's selling like in this match it's like like i said he's he's not overly athletic or overly flashy. He's just really good at like doing pro wrestling. It connects back to something you and Darren were saying in part one, where like he was one of the first people in the WWE to have a character where it wasn't necessarily about his race. I think it's the same with his in-ring style. Like every black baby face, especially with Jim Ross as the announcer, you're going to hear a lot about their athleticism. Exactly, exactly. But like with Kofi, it's like, no, he's a old school babyface wrestler. He's exciting, and then he gets beat up really bad, and then he's exciting, and you're really excited for him to win, or you're really pissed off because he lost, because the, the finish of this match is total BS. It's like, they do the hokey, Matt Hardy buys the ticket to come to ringside because he's banned from the building, and he's in a feud with mcintyre and they do this total horseshit distraction finish which people would boo out of the building now but like people are hot for it because kofi is a classic style baby face in this match and they pop like crazy for him winning and it's like i it once again it made me think like what a difference a decade makes not just in terms of the style in the ring but holy cow the crowd like there were snarky dudes in black t-shirts and ball caps pulled down low in the first couple rows of this show too but like the overwhelming response from the crowd was just like normal pro wrestling and he was portraying normal pro wrestling and it, it was really good
0: yeah he definitely with the second you said he reminds you of like a ricky morton absolutely like watching old NWA, that is the thing he most reminded me of he's just a baby pace. like he's like a sam houston kind of style performer where he's athletic but it's not his entire gimmick his entire gimmick is that he's a good professional
2: wrestler Yeah, his biggest, most flashy move for a long time was a flying crossbody, which if that's not a 1980s finisher, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's
1: Ricky Steamboat, right?
2: Pure
0: 80s. Yeah. And for the reasons that Dave said, there was this idea that if you were a black reformer, you were athletic. And it was so nice to hear when Matt Stryker describes Kofi Kingston, he calls him charismatic and beloved by the WWE universe. I don't have to hear that he's super athletic and you're going to see stuff you've never seen before. I don't think you understand how happy that made me. Like literally like a wash of relief came over me when he just talked about his personality and I didn't have to hear about how athletic Kofi Kingston is because like you look back and you're like, oh, he's not – like we keep saying like he's athletic but he's not like mind-blowing. And it's because we're so – we were so trained to see – black performers as athletes and everybody is everything else that I feel like it like clouded our judgment on uh, that, maybe not clouded our judgment, but like it set expectations for Kofi Kingston that he wasn't going to meet, but he was, a very talented performer. He's like one of the better performers on the show for the last 10 years. Like he's had a really great career. And I think this match is an example. Why? Cause he's a really good old school baby face, but he's not like a he. The reason he's not a world champion is because, or yet is because he's not the spectacular athlete that we kind of want uh, it, for a very long time we wanted a black performer to be he's like he completely supersedes that but there's not as much space for that in the larger scheme of wrestling until now it feels like like he came five ten years too early for him to really get the push past the randy orton thing that he deserved like ran i remember you and i darren being very excited
2: about that randy orton push and they just completely fucked it up yeah um which was a shame but it, it hindsight being what it is there wasn't a world where it made sense for like that that is the strongest singularly kofi has ever been as a character that is the most power he's ever had oh by far by far and because every i, I haven't come back and checked but if you look at every title match he's ever won they've all been surprises i'm pretty sure like outside of new day anytime he's won a belt it's been like a shocking uh, a development.
0: Like, I and they're all like 10 minutes none of the matches for championships are long ever like i went through looking for a match for a singles match and this drew mcintyre match was basically the best match it was a good match young drew mcintyre you can totally see where he's going but holy shit uh new drew mcintyre is like a like a a revelation yeah he's like a,
1: it's a, like it's the meme where like if you, if you don't love me at my this Drew McIntyre, you don't deserve me at today's Drew McIntyre. Can I, can I say, Nick, from my notes that I wrote, Drew's bumps on Kofi's comeback equals eh.
0: <laughs> he has become such a better all-around performer, Drew McIntyre has. And you can see, like, the evolution of both characters from that match of, like, Kofi eventually becomes just, like, an evolved version of... The same Kofi Kingston character, where like Drew McIntyre evolves like a Pikachu, like a Pikachu into a Riku, a Rikachu. Like it's really Raichu. 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 Raichu? Is it Raichu? It's not Rikachu. It's Raichu. Are we sure it's not Rikachu? I'm going to say racist (laughs) again. Yeah,
1: seriously.
0: Um, Wow. Um, I guess it's. Wow. I don't even. But no, I I think that.
2: It's Black History Month. Nick, what's right there?
1: Nick Nick doesn't care if they're blue, red, yellow, green, moon, sun. He hates them all.
0: (laughs) How is it. How is. I don't even want to get uh, – we're not having this discussion, okay? I In my – I have – some of my best friends are black, Darren, and one of them is also Japanese. Are some of your best friends Pikachu? <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah, Are you on the Pokemon Go? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, am. Kate is. My, my wife does the Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. But, but just for posterity, there was a period of time when Superstars was actually the best wrestling on WWE programming where drew was turning into the drew that he is now. And that was right before they released him. And it was a damn shame that did because he was doing all the things he's doing now, minus a beard and about 20 pounds. And I'm glad that he's now here doing these things, but I was, I didn't think he'd ever get there. He was ready like five years ago. And that's crazy.
0: Uh, here's a question I have uh, for both of you. Do you think Kofi would have, this version of Kofi would have been better off if he had been released the same way drew McIntyre was, or do you think that we only get the new day with Kofi staying the entire time because of what we talked about in the last episode, which is that it gave him uh, a cachet of trust that he wouldn't have if he just had left and then come back. Even if he had made a bunch of money in say TNA or something like that. Do you think he would have benefited or do you think it would have hurt him in a way that did the complete opposite for Drew McIntyre?
1: I think that if it were to happen today, like if, 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 it was, if we had some sort of time machine where all these timelines are melded and he could go away for like a year or two, now and come back, I would almost say now would be the better time to do it. Like I'll look at someone who, who was recently released, I guess, less than a year ago, probably who I don't think is as talented as Kofi. And that's like Rich Swan. and Rich Swan has gotten tons and tons of opportunity on just everybody with TV, TV, since he, since he left the WWE. So I think if Kofi could go now, like if Kofi was as young as he was 10 years ago now and could leave in now's indie market. It would be great. But for all the reasons Darren said earlier, I don't think he's someone who would have leveled up by going to the Indies or even TNA. Like, I mean, Christian, I was like, Christian would be like, I, I think Christian would be the absolute ceiling. And like, even when Christian came back, there was like the three year delay before his big run with Orton. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. 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 Totally. How do you, do you feel the same way, Darren?
2: Yeah. I agree with Dave Kofi leaving now he's new Japan world champion in a year. Um, I, I, could, I feel very confidently about that. Kofi leaving back then, I think, yeah, if he even gets to be Impact World Champion, and that's if they're, if they're struggling for talent that year, then he gets there. Otherwise, I think he flounders overall. And if the, reason, the reason he's where he is now in WWE is not even just the character development, but putting in time, you get veteran powers after a while yeah though, that's what i'm
0: saying you have that like cachet of trust that yeah. he can just do whatever he wants
2: and even like even in just in terms of the actual on-screen power levels like once you're there for a certain number of time you get you, you get leverage over younger people uh that's just part that's, yeah it's a in power level stuff that it, it scales to all the way back to taker basically but in between then you get a certain level of believability that you're going to win just by being there for a long time
0: unless and you're Dolph they
2: unless you're Dolph Dolph Ziggler, but because he hasn't changed his goddamn character in 20 years. But anyway, uh, he has absolutely absorbed all those years to put him in a place that he wouldn't have been if he just left and came back. I don't think.
1: Yeah. Dolph Ziggler's character would have been cool at approximately the time that Dolph Ziggler would have been old enough to be discovering wrestling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I liked it the first time when it was called Mr. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) uh, So as speaking, I think of uh, because Kofi is, is older. He's closer to your age. Um, darren um are you kofi Kingston? i've never seen you actually i have seen you two in the same room at the same time i take that back uh there's a picture of you right doing the wakanda forever with the new day there is a picture yes yeah it is maybe the finest picture on the internet uh go seek it out what's up pretty happy about it (laughs) i wanted to talk about uh the youngest i believe consequences creed but when he came in in 2009 what a baby What a tiny baby person. Like, he is uh, a year older than Dave and I. uh, September 4th, 1986. I looked this up beforehand. So he's a year ahead of us in school. So, like, this dude was when we were graduating college, performing (laughs) on Destination X. And he now has a PhD. So it's not like he just dropped out of school. Like, he's... uh, Consequences Creed, Austin Watson, however you want to refer to him, is one of the most impressive... People in the industry, and I feel like this match, the fact that he's in there, it's him, Jay Lethal, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, Alex Shelley, and Chris Sabin, who Alex Shelley is probably my favorite non Arn Anderson wrestler of all time, um, and Suicide uh, in an Ultimate X match. Uh, they have they put on a really great show, and to see Consequences Creed hold his own against those guys and suicide at this point, I believe is Christopher Daniels. It's a real showcase for what consequences Creed would eventually become, because I don't know if you guys know this, but consequences Creed slash Xavier Woods has like maybe two moves that between the two of them that they don't like consequence Creed does a move that xavier woods doesn't do and vice versa but they basically he basically kept a version of the same move set from this time and it's really interesting to see his body develop but not necessarily his in-ring style and not have it feel stale because he has physically changed so much that his stuff seems more impactful and it makes more sense than when he was originally doing it it almost feels like watching an, a younger match with uh consequences creed you're watching somebody fake it until they make it
1: you know what? He really reminds me, and this is a weird compliment, but I mean it. He always reminds me, especially of the TNA version of him, he reminded me of Kenny Omega, where he was wrestling in a world where the physics were different. He was wrestling in the physics of a Capcom video game from like the late 90s. You know what I mean? Like he he literally moved different, bumped different, things had a different shape when he did them. That was something I, I really noticed about him in TNA and something I really remember. I'll, I'll compare that to like his run in TNA reminds me a lot of like Owen Hart as the blue blazer in the eighties when he's like the dark match or opening preliminary dude. Like I, I, I always thought of Creed as being like that where like you could see that he was had a lot of personality. Oh, so and much, you could see, so much yeah. personality.
0: Like there's a little shit he does where he like, Well, walking down the thing, like talk to fans and actually engage them in a way that you're like, oh my God, you have it. Whatever it is, you have it. Even if you can't wrestle, you're not the best wrestler, you have a connection to the crowd that is very real. That was to me watching the Destination X match and watching a couple of other matches looking for a consequence Creed match. That was, his connection to the crowd was really remarkable considering how early it started without him actually saying anything into a microphone. He just is a chariz- as charismatic as you can possibly be, and not be a movie star. Basically, like he is that level of charismatic where it's, it's instantly, every all of the attention in the room is drawn to him, and that's why he has an incredibly successful YouTube channel, and it's why he's the centerpiece in a lot of ways of the New Day's presentation to fans. Is that he is? You can see why in these early matches why. He's not necessarily, and it's part of partially his size. He's not like a future world because, like, when you're like have the look and all of the gimmick and all of that stuff that works on the level, it works for Xavier Woods. You think, oh, eventually world champion, he's too small, but everything else is there for a real, like a real seminal, like important talent, and you see it in this match because he, like I said, he looks good with four legit. Top of the well, yeah, I guess Christopher Daniels Four legit top of the I was gonna say TJP, not so much, but Christopher Daniels, like four, I don't want to say TNA Hall of Famers, but like guys that if I were picking an all TNA team, they would be on the short list.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's 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 true that as you're saying, like you you can already see these things in people. It's like when we talked about Aaron Anderson, uh, I said that you know it's like he even the continental stuff, it's like he's kind of doing like four horsemen training stuff and he's excelling in it. And like Lethal Consequences was almost like, uh, like New Day training and that he was thrown together with Jay Lethal because they were two smaller black guys and they found space by, by kind of clowning on that gimmick in different ways or defying expectations in different ways. And like it, it, his path is kind of similar to the, the old fashioned territory route and that I think that he really did kind of get his head around what he was doing on a much smaller scale. And then he was able to kind of extrapolate that up to, you know, to the WWE in a way that's really impressive. And that speaks to someone who's, you know, a really talented and really thinking wrestler or person and not just someone who's like going to get over because they got good creative or because they can do a move that other people don't move, you know, even at that level in the kind of minor leagues, you, you definitely see, the potential. In yeah.
0: I think the working, you being able to work any gimmick thing is what you definitely get from seeing him as consequences. Creed. Cause that is a dog shit gimmick. It is one of the least original, least thoughtful. It's not like racist per se. It's not bigoted. It's not ignorant. It's just lazy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was one of the cheapest ring robes i've ever seen he wore the american flag one like from the rocky movie and it like looked like it came from the freaking party (laughs) store there were there were some guys who had some brutal ring gear in in tna at that point he was he was one
0: suicide come online is that how the song goes um
1: i think it comes alive i think i don't remember any other words
0: i would say because i imagine suicide is an emo teen so, like, not not to make light of it, but, like, that's what the character Yeah, because he
1: was Frankie Kazarian, who was so ashamed that he'd let down TNA in the World X Cup that he he's quit in the middle of his contract. But then he could only make one appearance, hurt himself botching the finisher that they hadn't asked him if he could do before they put in a video game. And then Chris Daniels took it over and did a great job. And then when Kazarian came back, he did a much shittier job doing the same character. So, sorry, sorry, I got sidetracked somewhere. Sorry, continue. <laughs>
0: Darren I don't know how much Consequences Creed you watched but how do you look at him in terms of did you see Xavier Woods coming out of Consequences Creed or even early Xavier Woods turning into Xavier Woods that we know now like NXT version of Xavier Woods and you you mentioned the thing in the last episode about uh this roof isn't my son but I will raise it like was it just stuff like that, but, like, you just knew that this was, like, going to be a dude? And and for Consequences Creed, it, I don't know, how, again, how much you saw, but, like, for Consequences Creed, was that something you saw something in him? Because you're a big, like, the, I've been on this person since day one. How
2: quickly did you get on Xavier Woods' corner? I only had, like, cursory knowledge of Consequences Creed. I thought the gimmick was just kind of cute that, oh, uh, maybe his last name is Creed. Maybe he's Apollo Creed's son. They had the boxing gimmick. It's, I didn't think too much about it. Um, I don't think I even saw many of any of his matches either. I was just I I would only keep myself aware of who was wrestling in TNA just to see what was happening without like diving into the product too much. I just like knowing what's going on. So I can't say that I had information of him as consequences in NXT as Xavier Woods. It was a matter of oh this guy's cool. Can't wait for them to ruin this guy too. Right? So that the, the hopes the, my level of hope Hopefulness was not to do with him specifically. It was to do more so uh, with how people like him have been treated in the past. So it was like, oh, this will be fun for a little bit. and then kind of get To be direct about it, do you mean
0: black performers or do you just mean guys that are from other companies who are not the mold
2: of a champion? Do you mean specifically like the way in which black performers had been treated? I would, that's a subset of it. I would say anybody who I immediately gravitated to for like a silly reason doesn't do well.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what I was trying to parse. Is like, is it that he's weird or is it that he's black? And I feel like you both had to worry. Has the new day changed that mechanism for you, where you aren't instantly like, well, they're going to fuck it up because it's a black guy or a weird guy or a weird black guy in
2: particular? No, and that may be just like ingrained at this point, whether they've earned themselves out of it or not. But I still worry about it. Like I worry about Cedric. Um I worry about um, who else exists right now. I still worry about Naya a little bit. They don't really bill her in blacks. So I guess I shouldn't. Um, Naomi, I worry about.
0: Will you, I, Yeah, I guess like Naomi's weird in particular because like she's been pushed, but she should clearly be in the title picture. But the title picture is so elevated right now. It's like I can also see why she's
2: not or was. Yeah, I I will always – I will give them credit right now for finding a storyline for her in the midst of Becky Charlotte Asuka because there's no reason she should be on television, especially with that terrible uh, storyline they have going with with Mandy right now. But they made room for her amongst all that, so I am actually give the show props for that. Um, but, yes, yeah, she's one that I kind of worry about too. But she made it out, I would say, made it out being a weird way to phrase it. Um, but she – they gave her space, and she ran with it, I think. Um, and now I think she's pretty locked into The Division If not, she's not a cornerstone, but I think she's at least um, not institutional either, but she's, they're not going to forget about her ever, I don't believe they'll always find. Oh no,
0: I think she's over in a way that they would feel as though they were doing her a disservice if they didn't give her a storyline. Like she is over in a way that you have to put her on TV, but she's not necessarily over in a way where she has to be in the main storyline, but it's just like, no, I will watch. My wife will pay attention slightly more a match because Naomi's in it in a way that I might not with Carmela. I like Carmela, but I, I think Naomi's just like a step above even a Carmela as a former champion that
2: I am actually compelled to watch. Right. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit too, because I'm not worried about Ember in the same way as I would be worried about Naomi or uh, Cedric. Um, Ember, I'm worried about because she doesn't know who she is yet, not because they think she's black.
1: I'm so glad to hear someone say that. Thank you so much. The character is such a problem. Sorry. No, it's a thing. I I, I so like get it with her on a certain level, but no, I couldn't agree more.
2: Not a character. Neither is Sasha, really. Um, She's getting better, but neither one of them really have. They're both reactionary characters. At least whatever somebody else is doing, they're just bouncing back after them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just say "sweetheart" to Sasha one time and watch the feedback loop get going.
0: (laughs) What line, bitch? Um, So, uh, so I think I think the jury's out on Young Consequences Creed. The if the jury was out on Big E, you can go fuck yourself, Young Big E was like young LeBron or young Mike Trout or young Wayne Gretzky. You're just like, no, this guy should be champion. He's built like a champion. Maybe not with Wayne Gretzky, but he's built like a champion. He looks like a champion. He works like a champion. He has a character of a champion. He has the support of a champion. It boggles my mind. And and Darren knows very specifically how crazy it is to me that he's not a world champion at this point, right, Darren? Like this is something I've been pushing for a very long time. Like Big E is world championship material, like almost definitionally. Like he is one of the people I would put if you're
2: building a new world champion. This is the guy you want to build. Yeah, Big E is your Shelton Benjamin, hundred uh, percent. And I, mean? the I uh, the, the one th- I've talked to people about Big E over the years because I always talked about how much you how much heat you put on him. And believe it or not, his finisher is what turned a lot of people off. People I understand that. A <laughs> ending at all. And I think if anything was going to hinder him in terms of the audience, it was that potentially. And he also didn't really get the character work that he maybe could have used in NXT. Um, wanted, and I um, think
0: that's important with Big E is that what's weird is he started doing like a preacher gimmick before new day happened. And I think we were all like big, big E watchers were all like, is something happening here? What it is, isn't exactly clear, but there, there's something happening here. And it was really exciting for me to see him get involved in a new day. I think I wrote about him specifically. There's a, you mentioned the claps. There is a specific moment in a match on Raw where Big E starts clapping and the rest of the crowd starts, and the crowd starts clapping. And he like realizes the power he has in his hands and then gets the crowd to like, Follow him I guess like it's really he has that kind of super super superstar charisma that is so rare and this match really and the build-up to this match uh with the shield because at this point he it's uh NXT 151 on the network and it is for the NXT championship. It is a no disqualification match versus a Seth Rollins who is currently in the Shield at this time. So uh, there's a lot of interference from the Shield because it's a no disqualification match. But it's all done to make Big E, it is a perfectly constructed psychology match in terms of it gets Big E over as this like existential threat for Seth Rollins, but also gives them a reason to have an actual match because the Shield comes out and like runs interference and stuff like that they do an exceptional job in this match at least for me of establishing big e as an inevitable like like something that was inevitable in terms of him being champion
1: so i wrote in my notes big e is dusty in this match uh, one hundred percent. This is Dusty fighting off the four horsemen. Like that—that's what they're doing. And and Dusty was probably booking at this point too. So, exactly. So yeah, what I yeah. So I mean, this is Dusty against the four horsemen. Yeah, he was. And Big E pulls it off perfectly. Where every time he gets them one at a time, he just shook hands them out of the ring, or he hits them with his move, and he rolls away. And then like when it's two of them, he can hold them off for a second. You know what I mean? But then it's like so so well done. But at the same time. He's got the thing that we were talking about in the early Arnie Anderson matches where, like, he's huge, but he's so light on his feet in a way that, like, Dusty Rhodes wasn't, in spite of being a better athlete than he should have been. You know what I mean? But, but like...
0: He's... He's a really special talent physically, like really incredible. It's like watching, it's like, I know they say it's not ballet and this is the third episode out of the last four I brought up ballet. He really looks like a ballet dancer when he does stuff because he has the footwork of like an offensive lineman for obvious reasons. Like he clearly was an athlete and he fights like an athlete and he works like an athlete. He stands like an athlete. That's something we, you and I have talked about a bunch. He looks like a guy in a fight and that's such a hard thing to do. He just looks the part so much. And this match, it's not mind blowing, but it is such a good job. It does such a good job of getting Big E over in the way he needs to because he's such a special talent. Like, I don't want to say they squandered him because obviously he's a five time world t- tag team champion, he's an intercontinental champion, he his entire career ahead of him. But if you look at the potential of something like this match, which is again like a short match, it's like the last 10 minutes of an, an NXT. It's it's really like he is out of the three of these performers, clearly for me the one that has the brightest future at the time that we're looking at him. Like I think Consequences Creed has a bright future because he's a talented, charismatic guy. Kofi Kingston has a bright future because he's a talented, charismatic, smart guy. Same thing with Consequences Creed. Biggie has all of that and is a physical marvel in a way that the others aren't necessarily. They're athletically talented, but like. You are in some next level shit with a guy like Big E.
1: Yeah, you know what? I put Dusty's name in my notes. The other person's name I put in my notes when I watched this match was Road Warrior Hawk. He's got that – Yeah, oh my god, he's yeah. He's got that like uh, – Bruce Mitchell of the Pro Wrestling Torch always refers to it as like body charisma. When a guy looks unique, looks really different, and there's literally just something special about the way they move in the ring because their body is different like Hawk or like Ultimate Warrior. He just has that in spades in this match. Like it's like he he shouldn't exist. He's too big to be that agile and he's too – You know what I mean like he's – he, you can't take your eyes off of him moving around because there's something unique about him. And that's that's like the definition of it factor.
0: Yeah, and what I think is great is JR actually calls this match. He treats him like he's Dr. Death, Steve Williams. He doesn't treat him like he's Shelton Benjamin. He, like, actually just talks about, like, he's a physical marvel, but he's also just got the grit and the... Like, he is sold as a Dusty Rhodes-level conquering hero. It, like the f- again the fact that big e didn't become a world champion within 3 or 4 years like 3 years of this is in fucking infuriating like as a wrestling fan this to me big e not being a world's cha- multiple time world champion is the biggest non-consequential failure that the wwe has had since big e came in like he is that level of talent for me and and Darren knows how much I love right Darren uh, we just talked about it like Biggie is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and this match for me is like how did you not make him into the guy that feuds with Seth Rollins for the next 5 years
2: yeah and I didn't see as much as you did early on like I I knew he was special but I was not on the bed I was not printing Biggie t-shirts um to the degree that you were uh, but I saw that he was important and it was like disappointing to say the least what they ended up doing with him, turning him into Virgil, so to speak. And whose fault was that? Dolph Ziggler. Um, and because of that, it was like, how, how do you bring a guy up from NXT? Like, this, he was their first big NXT failure, I believe, too. Um, like Xavier did better than he did at the first from the jump, I believe. Um, even though they both ended up waning. But ex- ex- yeah, he, to bring him up after being the champion of one of your brands and not let him wrestle... Ever or hardly ever it's fucking ridiculous. Like that makes zero sense.
0: Yeah, if he's if you don't think he's ready, don't bring him up. And then don't shed his gimmick as well. No, no, it's totally fine. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, and you get to see that because the next two matches we're going to the two other matches. So I think we've kind of broken down like the specialness and the lack of for the uniqueness and the ways in which that at least two of the three of these guys maybe weren't going to be the biggest stars, but when they came together, it all worked out uh, in large part because of the E. And I think the first real example to me, when they first start, you mentioned the number one, the, the mega dad of the year. I feel like the Lucha Dragons Uso match at TLC 2015, along with the, we will fight your kids promo. No, Well, in this very building,
1: this past summer, we became the WWE World Tag Team
0: Champions. <laughs> That's right. And as a matter of fact, this is the very building where our trombone made its debut. Right here. Yep, she's yep, beautiful. Yep, yep. Hey, I, I, do you guys remember the time that we came out and we sang a few
1: songs? Oh. Uh huh. Well, look who's brought their pitch pipe. Oh. It's, it's, defective. it's
0: defective. It's okay. defective. It's okay, it's okay. Hey, what do you guys say? We do it for old time's sake. You guys want to hear a New Day exclusive song right here in New York? What, what's that? What's that, Francesca? What? Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. She says, these people didn't vote for us to become
2: WWE Tag Team of the Year. You're booing yourselves. You realize that, right? Yeah. And because of that,
0: guess who gets a song now? Ooh, who, who,
1: who? 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 Nobody! Why don't you have the Usos come out here and sing you a little song? Or, or, or Callisto to come out here and, and, and play a little ditty for you. After all, after all, after all, you're the ones who voted for him for
0: OMG, moment of the year.
1: All slash slam your
0: and you didn't even nominate us, but don't you people understand is that every single solitary time that the New Day comes out here and we have microphones and we open our mouths, it is an OMG moment. For example, all you parents out there with kids, when your kids misbehave, you give the New Day a call, the New Day comes over to your house and we will fight your children. Kofi. Oh my god. Aren't aren't you a father? Exactly. OMG!
1: He's raffling! Ruffle! Ruffle! He's ruffling! Ruffle! Ruffle. Turtle! Like like because!
0: Yeah, like you hear that promo um, and you kind of understand that they're actually funny like and you talked about this last episode Darren that idea of being inside on something they were really good at chemistry wise that they you felt like you were hanging out with a group of cool people who wanted at this time didn't want you to hang out but like were cool and you wanted to be cool with them and I feel like in the 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 TLC match that they have, which the famous part from this is the Slita del Soul uh, that Kalisto puts on one of the Usos. Again, I don't know which one it was. I don't think they knew which one it was. Um, they uh, That match was like the first match I remember seeing where it was like, oh, these guys are legit in the ring too. And that was a big step for me with the new day, like I love them character-wise, but the fact that they could put on a match like this, and it was Biggie and K- Kofi Kingston, was like a big deal for me as a wrestling fan. It meant that they could actually like play at that level. Did you feel the same way for this match, Darren?
2: Not this match specifically, but I will say that for I think up until around they until they were in the midst of closing in on the record, they didn't have many good matches. Like they weren't really fun to watch wrestle like they were fun to watch on television as television characters like that's where i got most of my entertainment from them i i I did not go to new day for wrestling matches so that was an example of them stepping out of what i had my mind of them to that point in time i was there i was there for segments basically
0: the that expanded your idea of what was capable for them as performers on the show in like a in a larger sense Especially for me, it was like, oh, okay, now they can be world champions for a really long time and they can be not necessarily the main event of shows, but they can be an important part of the television show that they're on. And actually, this is the most important thing, get real time early in the show, which is what really set them going forward is they would get like a full segment in the beginning of the show and then usually a segment later in the show. That's not something you get unless you're a main event team or in the most case for the most part that doesn't exist. It's a main event character. Like they were treated this is where they start to build the momentum where they're eventually main event characters who are involved
2: in major storylines. Right. And just to backtrack onto the I Will Fight Your Kids promo too, I think they did that segment shortly after Mega Dad of the Year, which makes it even funnier. And in ter- that was when they started to actually interact with the audience too at that point, because when I- Xavier got it first um, when they started to turn for real to, uh, to being a heel team, when they were getting booed, and Xavier, after they got through cheating to win a match, would be screaming at the crowd, why are you booing us? Why? Why? He was just confused. And that was incredibly endearing. And yeah, the level of awareness of who they are and what they're doing has been there from the start once they got the chance to run with it
1: yeah yeah. i was just gonna say that i think what's really special about the we will fight your kids promo is it's like really energetic and memorable but i think the real craft in it is that it's still a really good heel promo which is what it is because the the premise that they come out with is that they didn't win any of the slammies they were nominated for like omg moment and best tag team and they didn't win either one of them usos won best tag and i don't remember who won a best omg moment but they as if that's like a thing that would be memorable. Uh, But, uh, but, but they come out and they're like ragging on the crowd for like, why didn't you vote for us for these things? So, but it's a really fascinating heel promo in that they say like, just wait, we're going to win you over. And by the end of the promo, when Kofi's saying, you know, I'll fight your kids. It's like, they have won you over. It's, it's really, it's really masterful kind of subtle heel work and that it's like, yeah, they're pissed off and they've got a chip on their shoulders and they want to kind of draw attention to themselves in a way that's like a little self aggrandizing, but it's like such a fun ride that by the end of it, you're like, yeah, these guys are kind of awesome.
0: And uh, another thing that uh, Darren made me realize is that the ending of the TLC match between them and the Lucha Dragons um, is, it, and the Usos is Xavier Woods throwing a trombone <laughs> at kalisto (laughs) but not and this is the important part not climbing up the ladder to get to the title he lets kofi win but he goes he's on commentary the entire match and he goes oh it's no disqualification match i'm gonna stop this and he gets off the the headphones and runs up grabs the francesca one and just spear i mean like darts Kalisto right in the back and Kalisto just drops and this is again calisto had actually won the omg moment with the salita this uh, salita del sol in this match so he was like completely fucked up to begin with so like that was just literally like stabbing calisto in the back but it got over like people were happy that the new day won because they were able to tell a story that like they were actually mischievous and like wily in a way that it's often just, it's a, it's a, Tell, don't show thing. They showed the ways in which they were clever without being like, haha, aren't we so clever?
1: Ultimately, it's the pro wrestling thing or it's the storytelling thing. They were on a real journey. So, like, even if they're heels, if they're on a real journey that's easy to follow and it seems like it has stakes for them and they're putting their hardest into it, it's like that's what makes you the star of the show and that's what makes people love you.
2: Just to show how much faith, how much goodwill they incurred from the company at that point in time, a few weeks after that, they got to interrupt The Rock. On Monday Night Raw.
0: No, that's why I was trying to think. There was a I was trying to like piece together. There's another big thing where it really felt like, oh, oh shit, like this is real, and it's that it's them interrupting the Rock
2: like that. Well, I think that TLC match too. That's when they they came out doing the. Um... Uh, the New York song, a New York version of the song, I believe.
0: That was SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, they did SummerSlam. They came out for SummerSlam, and then they said, "We're for the." I think they offered to sing, and they said, "Fuck no, fuck you," (laughs) because they're the best. Uh, like Dave said, they're really great at that kind of heel promo where the and it kind of made me miss them being heels. Of actually cutting a funny promo that's funny because it's funny, not funny because it's funny at the expense of someone else, which is basically weirdly what baby faces do in the WWE. They aren't allowed to be actually just funny motherfuckers. And I feel like what you see in, and you see that transition, uh, at least people at that point weren't allowed to be, because what I think you see, and this is two years later, we're going to skip ahead to the rap battle that them and the Usos have To me, it's like the pinnacle of the New Day experience, in the sense that it is like the most fully realized wrestling thing that feels like a New Day thing at the same time. Does that make sense? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Like, it feels like it. It feels almost like when they do the weightlifting stuff or the uh, the posing. Uh, showdowns in WWF like old school WWF and they sometimes they did it like last week but that's what it felt like it felt like a staged competition that wasn't staged totally and in that freedom of movement they actually made a really great segment
1: I think this is whatever sports entertainment is like that's really hard to nail down but I think this rap segment is like the perfect example of like Vince McMahon bullshit That as a quote unquote wrestling purist you like should hate, but like when the people are actually really undeniably talented and are like given this platform to, as you say, not just wrestle, but perform, which like, I, I'm not a huge fan of the P word in wrestling. But I, I think that this kind of performance is is whatever sports entertainment is. I think that's what I was
0: driving at with like the, the Frenchie Martin and uh, Dino Bravo and then Jesse Ventura helps them with the bench press. It's like that kind of segment where it's fun because the people that are doing it are actually allowed to do the segment in a way that is natural. And it isn't trying to necessarily get to a storyline throughout the entire thing. It's trying to tell a story in itself. And then the end result of that insular, like isolated story propels the story, the larger story going forward, but it, it exists as this like competition that's clearly again, clearly rigged that sports entertainment idea in the same way that like a wrestling match is, but it doesn't lose that verisimilitude of like, why are we here? Like there's very clear, like why the Usos were going to be in a rap battle with the new day. The question is whether or not the new day were going to be good, not whether or not the Usos were going to be prepared and having like Wale involved in that also like really legitimizes the entire process in part because Wale is a huge, huge, huge wrestling fan and it, it's clear he enjoyed himself and, like, understood the inside jokes they were making, but it's also a situation where, like, they can both... Are they the best rappers of all time? No. But, like, it doesn't feel like a... I don't even want to knock John Cena. It feels like they have actually... They're people who have actually been in rap battles having a rap battle. Is that... A, am I? Do I sound crazy or super white, to be honest? Like, it feels realistic, kind of.
2: It. Yeah, like... It felt like people getting to do something they wanted to do on screen for a very long time. Like, Lana, 100%, a yeah. Lana loves the dance battles. You can fucking tell that because she likes to pop lock and she can pop lock and nobody's ever going to know that about her unless they let her do dance battles. <laughs> and she's having the time of her fucking life. So, stuff like that. Or Aiden English getting to sing. Like, yeah. there was never a question of that, but like when somebody gave him the, the stage to go, like, oh, go do this thing that you like doing out there. And they're as, good at it. Yeah, go for it. And so I think, I don't, the, the Usos were already over to that point, but they became an institution after, afterwards. Like they reached New Day's level of you're cemented after that rap battle, I believe, because we got to know more about the Usos in that the, that segment than we had the previous four years, five years, possibly. They got to
0: exist in their own story because they mentioned in the rap battle, they talk about how John isn't, is only famous because. Naomi put him, or Trinity put him on Total Divas. And I feel like that is the time where he they actually go from, we were famous because we were Rikishi's kids, to we are famous because I'm married to Naomi and we were both on Total Divas, to we are popular and famous because we're good wrestlers who those other things are true about. And I feel like it was the first time you got a real sense of a personality for the Usos that, he, again, existed outside of their wives or their parents. And it really felt like I was the first, it it almost felt like they went on a TV show when you have a background character, you want to give a push to venture brothers does this a lot. You kind of give them like a full story where they get to flesh out everything. And that's what this felt like. And the new day being able to keep up with the flow of the Usos when they did it right is much better than the new day. But like the new day's lyrics are actually like clever and like in their own way. Um, like there's a lot of good stuff. Like each rap, each each rhyme, each round, whatever you want to put it, is worth watching, even if they're not all like home run shots. They're all like decently funny to hilariously funny, like the uh
1: let's just keep it, PD. You know what's
2: good. Just don't get all red at R like your boy Xavier Woods. <laughs>
0: that's like a really great line is like the weenie do line that Kofi does that great. Maybe not, but like the, you're only famous. Cause you're on total divas. Shit is really good. The you're carrying Roman's bags and that's why you're, you're a big deal. Like that's great. And that's the catalyst for them getting into a fight. like, And it's actually, um, we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. It's one of the things that starts the feud that eventually leads to their Hell in a Cell match, which is like, to me, both of their best matches. And I feel like this is one of the things that separates SmackDown Live from Raw is that like this segment is done well on SmackDown. And you would never see this segment done well on Raw.
2: Well, let me just jump in with some inside baseball, because I did have a, um, a hole at one point of, um, of rap battles on YouTube, and there's, there is, it's not real controversy, but like anything to do with music or styles, there are people who think that certain ways of doing things aren't legitimate or um, authentic or the right way to do things. So in amongst rap battle communities, even depending on where you're listening to them from Canada to like San Jose to the South to New York there are certain prevailing styles like <clears throat> in Canada, there's a lot of um, emphasis on the actual style, like the Usos. How, how are you saying the words that you're saying? If you're in New York, you kind of have to run a rap about guns and killing people. It's just, even if you're a bus driver and there's a guy who's a bus driver, who's rapping about that all the time. And when he, and there's from San Jose, you're a comedian, you're a standup comedian who goes into um, garages and raps with people. Cause it's funny. And when you put those different styles together, you get, New Day versus the Usos, who Usos stylistically are much better than the New Day, but the New Day's fucking hilarious. Yeah, much like you have a guy from San Jose going up against somebody from New York, the, the New York guy's talking about uh, busting clips into your jaw and dragging your mother down the street. The San Jose guy's going, "You're a bus driver. <laughs> what are you talking about?" And that's a that's a the fact that that little nuance made it into this segment on a wrestling television show that warmed my heart to an immense degree because it was that is what those things are like beyond the fact that they were entertaining on their own standalone they were also authentic
0: yeah and yeah that's all yeah no that's a really that's really great insight because i am not familiar with the rap battle community uh especially beyond what's on like that one show on is it like the Paramount TV channel? I don't know. It's like rap battle now. They have a show that's a rap battle, but it's famous people. It's a nightmare. This was a lot better than that. This rap battle leads to what's to me the best New Day match and probably the best Dusos match, which is their Hell in a Cell match from 2017 at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's the first match where it really feels like the New Day are now able to beat even though they lose the match they are able to beat anybody like they are they have finally become a team in the way that like oh the warriors or the celtics to a lesser extent or like where they can especially with the three perform the three wrestlers they can switch their style cuz this is Xavier Woods and uh, Big E, it works just as well as Kofi and Big E. Despite the fact that Xavier and Kofi don't exactly have the same style, like they have, they are both unique in their own specific ways. And for the most part, AJ, it's almost like Xavier, which is closer to like, um, like a, uh, I don't want to say AJ Styles because AJ Styles is obviously a lot more talented physically, but like that, the the springboard stuff, the like big grandiose stuff that Kofi doesn't really do. Xavier Woods does a lot. And he also has a little bit of the big E of like, just being a fucking brick house every once in a while, just like being an incredibly strong, well-built person who can do shit and it's tough. But I feel like this match really gives everyone involved a sense of identity, including the Usos in a way that is an evolution. That is the result of an evolution that has been going on for a couple of years at this point. Like this is like i don't want to say the final form of the new day but this is the first time where you're like oh the new day are like going to they're not going to be Shawn michaels but they're going to have classic matches right they're going to have matches we look back and we're like man i missed these matches and i think this is like one of the the quintessential examples of that for the new day which like you said darren they weren't the best in ring but like this was them achieving a level of potential that we weren't sure they could get. Do you feel the same way, Dave?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, as you were, as you were kind of uh, framing that up, the name that popped into my head, again, I keep comparing these people to single stars is, is John Cena. Like I think they had the really similar path to John Cena where getting over character wise happened long before kind of discovering how to have a great match as that character, but I think in the cases of both acts, those things ultimately did come together, and I think that even if New Day matches aren't necessarily, like, super innovative, or aren't the wildest car crash, or aren't the most psychologically tight wrestling, there's still something that you, like, look forward to, and you know what to expect, like, you know how those characters wrestle now, and, like, that's, like, the most important moment when you get over, like when the character's over, and then that that character is translating to what you're portraying in the ring, and I think that that's something kind of starting maybe with the rap battle where they were officially kind of more just fully flared in that respect and having a whole oeuvre
0: yeah there it's almost like you there's a specific television, there's a television show, there's a specific episode that like, oh, I'm gonna watch this every week. And I think that was for a lot of people the ride battle For me, it was the I will fight your kids promo. But like I think i I, I know exactly what you mean where like there's this moment where you're just like, okay, like I can rely on them to I don't the matches are going to be at a certain level almost no matter what. The promos are going to be at a level almost no matter what. I no longer have to worry that I'm going to be sincerely disappointed by something I'm seeing from the new day. Um though Darren, you did want to talk about this. Are you worried that there's a level of diminishing returns
2: for the new day? I feel like if there was ever a point in this whole run, where i thought they were wearing a bit thin it's uh the rumble because the rumble is where we got the new day shilling for golden crisp and then buffooning their way through the rumble and that was i told nick before in a different conversation that was the first time i actively rooted against the new day because the shit and this is as much the writer's fault i guess as it is new day's fault whoever came up with the idea but don't insult your fans like If you're lying on your back with your feet in the air, you're out of the Rumble. Don't try to make us believe that you literally have to have nothing but the soles of your feet on the ground to still be in. And for that to be the extent of New Day's importance to the Royal Royal Rumble match and not be in any way a contender or potential winner, because I had Biggie picked for Final Four, not to win the thing, but just to be in the Final Four, which is a big deal see Andrade him being in that spot means something. And after Kofi and Xavier got that stuff going, I was like, all right, this is, this is touchy territory to say the least. And I'm a little concerned about what they're going to have going forward now.
0: Um, well, because I think part of what's scary about it is they were so not contenders. They were literally just a joke segment of the match. And it's like, does that mean that they does that mean they just don't care about singles competition as much? Or is, does that mean something for the tag team division and them? Is, is that essentially what you're saying?
2: I didn't consider the singles aspect of it. Maybe that's what it is. Like, Rumble, Money in the Bank, it's not really for them. They're going to keep uh, making their impact and making their money in the segments and tag team scene. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they've they're gonna uh, not push push themselves or try to expand too much into that singles realm because they don't have to or they don't have any desire to, because maybe there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them in those places. So from from that perspective, I m- maybe hate it a little bit less. Like if, if if they're if they are cool being the cornerstone that they are, um, There's no animosity here, but to the extent that they ever want to be more than what they are, shit like that's not going to help at all.
0: And what did you think of it, Dave? Because you like The New Day, but I don't think you're a New Day fan on the level of Darren and I. Like, were you worried or was it just kind of like that kind of sucked that I was disappointed?
1: Yeah, I just kind of thought it was weak. Um, I I am a fan of The New Day and I was like maybe a little later to the party. I kind of run hot and cold on them. At at various points in their run. There have been times where, like, you were talking earlier when they were like three segments on Raw. I was like, man, I think this is a little much of a good thing. You know what I mean? But watching that Royal Rumble, I think that I don't want to say that the gimmick has run its course, but I think I do agree with Darren, where like I think that was the kind of rumble that, that that was one of those moments where you see that like that a gimmick has hit a ceiling. And like that felt like there was a, a clear ceiling. And I agree, like the Kofi Kingston spot seemed like number one, like the least creative or complex or intricate one to date. And number two, I couldn't agree more. It happens in the middle of the football playoffs where everybody knows that falling to your back is more important than one or two feet. You know what I mean? Like, so and I, I thought that, yeah, I I do have to agree with Darren. I thought that their, their, their positioning felt like Kind of mid cardy for life in a way that left a bad taste in my mouth. But I also don't watch uh, Raw week to week or even SmackDown uh, anymore, really, every single week. So I don't know what the follow-up was. But just based on someone who dips in and watches the pay-per-views, I was kind of like, huh, that was pretty flat.
0: This is, I agree, the first time where it felt like, oh, they're probably not going to do a gimmick where they get a title and use the free bird rule. Like I get the feeling that essentially what you just said, they are now in a collective sense, meaning in that if they're not going to do uh, again, what we talked about, I think last episode, the Roman reigns were biggies, Roman reigns, and he gets to keep like the gimmick and the song and stuff like that. But if they are going to move forward, they have essentially given up on singles, comp- meaningful singles competition. I think like Darren said, if that's the case, if that's what they're going for, I think that the Royal Rumble works year to year, but they have to come out almost and say, like, we are focused on being the best tag team of, unequivocally the best tag team of all time, where there's no doubt we want to be the number one tag team when people think of tag team wrestling in the WWF and they want to, we want them to think of us. And therefore, we're not going to kill ourselves in the Royal Rumble. But like, outside of that, I do think it's a dangerous precedent of like, oh, great, it's another... Like episode of this.
1: Oh yeah. I just wanted to this. say uh, that I I don't think they necessarily need to turn heel uh, because I don't think they need to turn their back on the crowd and their fans because they've done such a good job building a base. But I think they need to get really nasty if they're going to keep leveling up. I think that they need to get in either a very personal non-title feud where things really escalate and get violent. Or I think that they need to go out after the champions in a really aggressive, like we're coming for you kind of way. I think that I agree that it's kind of like you need to do the big statement angle, or I think that I think they're going to.
0: I think that's what happened at the hell in the cell 2017 match. They could not be as aggressive as the Usos. And I think ultimately that's been the story of the last, year and a half is they can't really keep up with the usos anymore who or the bar and they have to reevaluate their approach and i would like to think that this the the new day's performance the royal rumble if doesn't lead to that it is something where they kind of have said to the new day we're not going to give you a singles push so don't even bother as, and what they'll do is focus on the tag team division and really start doing the things that you're talking
2: about. One would hope, but you don't know for sure with any of this stuff. It would take somebody picking on Xavier for them to do something else. Yes. Um, and then it would take Biggie and Xavier just, um, what's, the, what's Rocky's trainer's name? Adrian?
1: <laughs> no, not, no, I'm just huh? kidding. Mickey. Mickey. I, was, I was making the common mistake <laughs> of saying Adrian. <laughs> the person who's never actually seen
2: the movie that is claiming they have <laughs> but it would take Big E and Kofi taking that role for Xavier um, and just championing him as a singles competitor in that feud having his back moral support not interfering the whole way through letting and giving him counseling in the back because shit got so heavy and it could start with like a Joe feud to, to get to that level because Joe was great at pulling people into that personal space and it it, it would, yeah, it couldn't be the freebird rule. It'd have to be some, one of them, E or Xavier, like, more like most likely Xavier, getting pushed into that realm while the others sort of watch from afar. Um, and the only thing, only thing Xavier needs to even get into that space is to start doing power moves because we know he's strong. He needs to be the hybrid between E and Kofi. So he needs like a deadlift German or a deadlift fish, um, Northern Knight suplex or to. Or just go to
0: 205. And just start murdering people. <laughs> let's,
2: not, let's not say people should go to Let's just not say that.
0: So Darren, uh, now that we've solved racism, uh, in wrestling at least, what, if you could re- recommend one match or one series of matches or one storyline with the New Day to get to that like next level or but just a better understanding of New Day, do you have one in particular that you would pick?
2: Well, this is not really a recommendation because it's not positive, And of course, I think it's positivity. But if you want to know what WWE thinks the New Day ceiling is, then watch their match against The Shield. Um, the Shield arguably at the peak of their powers. So New Day even being in the same ring as a, as competition is saying something, but spoiler alert, New Day doesn't go over when they could potentially could have. And that would have put them in rarefied air with the ability to move on beyond where they are now. Them losing means they are not going to do that ever. Um, but if you want To see what the peak of their power looks like on a positive note, watch the record-breaking episode of Monday Night Raw when they went through the triple threat tag match with, was it Roman and Seth and then Owens and Jericho, I believe, and then fought the bar afterwards? Um,
0: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, that night was a big night for tag team wrestling and for New Day in general.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice. Um, we will, I will find that and put that in the follow up files. Um, so, Dave, uh, did you have anything that you needed to plug?
1: Oh, I'll give you a plug. Uh, people should follow me on Twitter at DaveWritesJunk. They should, of course, follow the show as well to get all of our information uh, expertly disseminated at HWETWpod. Pod, and they should also, as always, give us their fucking money over on Patreon at com slash H-W-E-T-W. Lots of really exciting stuff coming up. Make sure you're following that uh, branded Twitter feed so that you hear all about it.
0: And Darren, you did have a big, a big plug. Um, you mentioned in last episode, but we wanted to do it again so that people that only listen to this episode will know all about you and what you do and uh, something you wanted to talk about.
2: Uh, yes. Um, I am an employee of WWE Studios and one of the biggest movies that we've ever made is coming out this month, February fourteenth in select theaters, and February twenty second nationwide. Fighting with My Family, the life story of Paige and her rise from Norwich, England, into the WWE. It's a great family flick. Uh, it's a great date flick. It's a great flick if you're a wrestling fan. Um, they do they do the business justice, uh, and it's a good time for all.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. I I, I would de- I will definitely be checking it out. Uh, I'll probably be taking Kate to a Valentine's Day movie, uh, which will be that. So that's good. Congratulations. You just. Hooray.
1: Right. I know a good divorce story.
0: Uh, so, yeah, um, and you can check me out at the next That's T H E N 1 C K S T E R. You can check us out at, as Dave said, H uh, W E T W pod. Uh, you can also rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Store. And you can check us out for the time being, though, we will be announcing when we move over uh, how wrestling explains that podbean.com. So, if you any place you want to check us out, uh, you, th- those places would be the places to go. I said places 17 times. Um did you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we go other than new day rocks we did that last time do you need till 5 to think of something or are you good <laughs> <laughs> Presentation. <clears throat>
2: oh, good grief.
0: Well, you, you know, Xavier was trained by Chief Dog's J Trombone. We got something to say. Champs are here to stay. To
1: stay new day <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: modern-day old blue eye Here among the poor sad despicable, oppressive, misinformed, but we have for you to fight, your tongue
1: secure.